Sterling. Havertz trying to get back at him. Sterling with an effort! Saved by Manuel Boyer. Might pop to Harry Kane! It's still just about steered away and it would come for him. Back to Havertz! Oh, it was a save by Pickford. England has to run through a gap. Finds Harry Kane. Sets it up for Jack Grealish. Then on to Shaw. Big chance for England. Sterling is there again! Muller has been sent through the middle of the England defence. Muller, wide! He chooses Grealish instead. It's Grealish, it's Kane! England have a two-goal lead! Hello and welcome back to what is sure to be the most jubilant, positive and probably emotionally tiring episode of our Euro 2020 coverage so far. We said it in the preview that it was the big one and football simply gets no bigger than England versus Germany. However, for once, it was England and the three Lions who came out with the game victorious and boy, oh boy, was it absolutely glorious. Thankfully, I was there to witness it in its full glory and to be frank, I've nowhere near recovered from what was simply probably the greatest scenes I've ever had the privilege to be involved in. But I've got some other people who will give their opinion on the match as well. So so thankfully, uh, we've got two England fans joining me, which we'll should be talking for this match for years to come. But we're going to talk about a little little under 24 hours later. First and foremost, it's uh, it's Matt from Jills in the Blood joining us again. How's your head, mate? All right? I'm all right, yeah. I was working today, so uh, unfortunately, unlike you, I didn't have the uh, the joy of multiple alcoholic beverages. I stuck to one or two, but yeah, still buzzing. Absolutely brilliant performance and uh, fair play to Gareth Southgate for sticking to his guns and not bowing to media pressure because I thought we were absolutely fucking spot on. Yeah, 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 pretty much, mate. Bang on. Uh, last but never least, of course, is the man who's had faith in England and Southgate since day one, I think, Jack Shields. Jack, are you calm down yet, mate? Uh, yeah, just about. I thought it was an a excellent day all round, wasn't it? It was just nice for once to be built up and built up and then actually it delivered, you know what I mean? There wasn't a nasty ending as we've all had as England fans over the years whereby we build things up and it's going to be this and it's going to be that and then ultimately it's flat when they let you down. But no, we lived up to expectations and we all had a great day. It was excellent. Um, um, there's a long way to go, three games, and I'm desperate for us to do it and obviously there's a good chance. But I think no matter what happens... And obviously, we'll come further on to this, but it feels like, Jack, no matter what happens, that day is going to be remembered for ages. Just because we've had like 18 months of not just football hurting, there's all about 33 or 30 years of hurt and all that, and 55 years of hurt and all that stuff. But I think like the way the world's been over the past 18 months, it just felt like, I mean, obviously, being in the stadium, I jumped up, everyone went mental, but you could see the scenes around the country. It was just like relief from everyone in the biggest game ever. Like, we were so desperate to win it. And it feels like no matter what happens, that yesterday is going to be a day we just remember forever, isn't it? Yeah, I think it was pretty iconic the way that, it, I mean, it was a lot of factors to it. It was the fact there was a lot of crowd at Wembley, the fact it was Germany, the fact that, you know, like you say, we've had a pretty tor- terrible time the last 16, 18 months or whatever it is. And I just think it was, uh, it'll be one of those things in years to come where by people say, what, what did you do from the Germany game? Where you, did you watch in the pub? Did you go? And everyone will have like a bit of a story to tell, which is uh, it's really, really nice. And looking forward now, I mean, purely getting my uh, kind of boring head on. That was arguably the toughest game out of the three that's going to come up, you know, Ukraine in the quarters. And then if we get that far, Czech or Denmark in the semis, I've always thought Germany was the banana skin and we've got past them. 
So I think it's opened up nicely. I'm not saying we're going to get there. We've still got a lot of work to do, but it looks pretty pretty decent in terms of two matches to get a major final. So, yeah, hopefully we can continue on. I thought the performance on the whole, though, was excellent. I thought we were steady at the back. I mean, yeah, we'll give one or two chances away, but nothing major. And when the when the crunch came, we made the changes and we got the goals that we needed. And I thought it was just excellent. Like you say, Southgate been under a little bit of pressure. I think everyone, it doesn't matter what he'd done, he would have upset somebody. You know, there's people saying he should have started Sancho, people wanted Grealish starting and Foden, some wanted Harry Kane dropping. So you, you, you can't play everyone and he would have upset somebody, you know, somewhere along the line. But like you, like you said, you know, he stuck to his guns and we got an excellent win. Everyone's just buzzing off it still. I love it. It's like talking before about everything coming up Millhouse. Like I've just... I'm not going to lie, when the second goal went in, seven other blokes just dived on top of us, um, which has been a long, long while. And then immediately in the aftermath of the game, I was like, oh, nah, COVID. Because obviously it still exists, it's still around. And I've just done a COVID test, safe as houses. All is, all is coming up Millhouse. So literally everything that's going right, could go right, sorry, has gone right. But back to the game, Matt, obviously I'll come to you. I, I don't really know if there's the words to describe it. Like you can feel it across across the nation, how good the win feels. But um, what did you make of the game in, in the best way you can describe it? I think the best way to sum it up is it's the most comfortable I've felt watching England in knockout football at a major international tournament for a long, long time, especially against the Germans as well. There wasn't a point, like you both said, they had a couple of chances. There's a good through ball in the first half. I think it was Cruz might have played in... Um, Werner or Havertz might have played in it Werner. Was, yeah, it was Werner, wasn't it? Who got the chance, yeah. And, but Pickford comes out, makes himself big. But that's that's probably the only time that they got in behind us through good play because the chance second half, the Muller one, comes from Raheem Sterling making it, an absolute clanger and we got away with it and he probably earned that bit of luck so we let him off. Um, and the other save that I know everyone was like, oh, Pickford's made a worldie, but it's, it's right at him. It's right above him. I think if it had gone in, we'd be disappointed if he hadn't saved it. The one from Havertz, the, the snap volley on the left yeah. just after half time. But aside from that, I've had a look at an app that I follow, use all the time for dual stuff and, and just general football stuff. And Goosens and Kimmich have got one successful crossing between them, their wingbacks in 90 minutes. And I think that's testament to Southgate first and foremost, because he set us up that way. He took a chance and he said that in the interview afterwards on ITV Sport. He said, I know if I go with a back three and we get beat, I'm a dead man walking. So he's had to be brave, and, and that's all we've asked, isn't it? We've asked our players to be a bit braver, and I think they were last night in spells. And it's as close to a perfect international performance, though, isn't it? We were solid defensively. We we reduced them to minimal chances, and then when the game opened up, for once, we were clinical, and we had better players. That, that that's class, Sean, and, and ultimately we thoroughly deserved the win and roll on Saturday. It was great to be able to say that, doesn't it? Saying, oh, we've got better players than the Germans and they performed as we expected mm-hmm. them to. It's like, there's a part of me that thinks like something's going to go wrong here somewhere along the line because that just doesn't happen. Like, but... I hope it's not Saturday because that's my birthday. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, fingers crossed. Obviously, Stadio Olympico, Rome. Oh, I'm getting excited. We'll come on to that later. We've got a preview show to do. Um, Jack, I- I'll come to you with kind of the question that we were probably all asking before the game. Um, 
I'll openly admit before the game, I was talking to the guy next to me and I was just like, I don't like the fact that he's picked like the back three because if they push us back, we're going to back five and then you've got Phillips, then you've got Rice and it's going to be a back seven and what if we get pinned in? But you know what? Yet again, I know nothing about football and I shouldn't speak about it because obviously Gareth Southgate knows a lot more than I do and uh, he got it absolutely spot on. But but originally, what did you make of the lineup? Um, I know what you mean. I'm the same. I'm sometimes a bit reluctant with three at the back. I just think it's... It's not negative, but it's just I thought he, he set he set himself up to really match Germany, and then I thought I'm always thinking, well, look, if you believe in your team that much, set your team up how you want to play, not to kind of match the opposition. I think you've got to show respect to Germany. Don't get me wrong; they are they have the capability to be a, a good team. The, the international record over the years shown that even though the individuals as a, as a team might not necessarily be that great, they always seem to hang on in the latter end of tournaments. So I think you have to show them respect. But I must admit, I was a bit like no Grealish, no Foden to start with, you know, three at the back with the wing-backs. But like you say, completely got it spot on. And I think, uh, you know, our full-backs are really one of our major strengths going forward. I thought particularly Luke Shaw had a really excellent game. You know what I mean? I thought he was excellent on the on, on the left-back position. Um, I thought, you know, that the the, um, the the ball he put in for the, the goal was excellent right away across the front of the goal. I mean, people can say it was an easy ball, but I think the composure that he showed, you know, in that final third. I mean, physically it wasn't, it didn't look like a great ball to put in, but to have that, like you say, that sense of perspective and composure just to God, play the right ball at the right time. Like I was yeah. right behind that and um, you're just begging for that kind of ball. That was just like, just put it somewhere where somebody just has to be on the end of it. Because if Sterling misses it, Kane's putting that in anyway. Yeah, and I think, I think I touched on it earlier, Graham. I think Southgate's, he, He's he's got a difficult job because this is one of the one of the better, more open England squads we've got. And we have got a lot of players in attacking positions. You know what I mean? I mean, you think about the golden, so-called golden generation, the pretty much the midfield and the, the, the strikers always pick themselves, didn't they? Do you know what I mean? Mm. And even a bit later on. But now you're looking at it, we do have genuine options. And I think he's become a victim of that because there's there's so many players, so many fans, sorry, want different players to play. You you can't you can't you can only play you've got to get the balance right. Do you know what I mean? You can't throw all of them on together without having a Jordan Henderson, a Declan Rice, a Calvin Phillips, somebody in front of the back four to kind of, you know, protect it and, and get the balance right. And I must admit, I watched it and I thought, I'm not sure we're matching Germany. You know, I think we should be going all out to win on our own terms. But like I say, nullified them pretty much, restricted them to, you know, one or two half opportunities. And then in the second half, I thought the Germans looked really leggy and tired. I don't know what you two thought, but I thought watching the game for me, with 20 minutes to go, we looked like the team that were on the front foot and, and having energy and having, you know, the the, the tempo setting. And they looked, they looked like they were shot to me in, in the final stages. There was a belief in the ground. It was like a belief in the ground when it got into those 20 minutes. I mean, I'm used to it. Matt, you're probably used to it. Jack, you're probably used to it because we all support football teams that on the whole tend to be less successful than they are successful. Um, and you have that feeling sometimes when you've done well in the game for 70 minutes and you go, oh, I've got a bad feeling here for the last 20 minutes. And I said to the lad next to me, just out of habit, I went, oh, I've got a bit of a bad feeling here. And he went, but do you actually have a bad feeling? And I went, not really, actually. I feel pretty comfortable. And then, obviously, Grealish, once Grealish came on, they dropped 10 yards back. It, it was just something about, like, you were all begging for Grealish to come on. But it was the way the Germans' game plan changed as well. They crapped themselves and moved back. It was almost like they went, we're knackered. We haven't got anywhere near them, really. We haven't really struck a, a glove on them at all. And now they've just brought this bloke on that's just going to take the mick out of our like makeshift right back, which essentially, I mean, Grealish is involved in both goals. Not that he, it was down to him that totally changed the game, but his presence on the pitch, it, it, he 
Southgate just nailed it. I mean, Matt, I was going listening back to the, the preview show that we did and I was asking about the team that you would play and stuff like that. And I think you said, you know, keep it as it is. I would just keep with the same side we had against the Czech Republic. But I think a lot of that came from probably your trust that you've got in Gareth Southgate. Um, Saka obviously stayed in. Trippier came in. Uh, Walker obviously was in anyway, but he went in the centre-back. Rice and Phillips stayed in the middle. Foden, Grealish, Sancho, all on the bench. Um, I know you're a big fan, mate, but how fair is it to say Southgate got it 110% correct? Uh, two New England. That's all you need to say. Yeah. Interesting point from Jack about um, showing them respect but not maybe playing against them and having to, to match them up. But I think that showed that Southgate did trust his players to go one-on-one on every area of the pitch. Because I know Harry Maguire mentioned it and said that we had to be brave and we had to be confident enough to leave ourselves exposed at times, but then we'd have enough cover in terms of pace getting back in. And I think Kyle Walker, for the Muller chance, I know he didn't get there and actually make a tackle, but I just think the fact that, that Muller probably heard him thundering up behind him quickly and Pickford getting out as well, I think that rushed Muller slightly. Muller's not as good as he was, we know that, but he's still a very good footballer. And nine times out of ten, that goes in the bottom corner. Um, so I slightly disagree with what Jack's saying. I think Southgate did trust his players. And I think that's why he matched up. And he said, we're good enough, 11 versus 11, one-on-one in situations to, to be better than Germany. And I think that was proven. Um, but yeah, the, the bit about, you know, all the options, I think I know you can't have too many good options, can you? But we almost have because... You only have to go on social media every single day at the moment and it's rife and someone says it's got to be, you know, it's got to be Sterling, Rashford, Kane. Someone else says it's got to be Foden, Grealish, Kane. Someone else is saying Kane's got to be dropped. Someone's saying it should be 4-3-3. Someone's saying it should be 4-2-3-1. Someone's saying we go back three. But Southgate sees these players every single day and has done for the best part of a month. He sees them three, four times a year. We just talk about it when these tournaments come round generally. Um, so I'm I'm quite happy to trust Gareth Southgate to continue getting it right. And I tweeted this morning and said that his record now as manager in tournament football is six wins from 11 games. We've only lost three of them 11. Um, and none of them have come at this tournament. I think you just need to give the man a little bit more respect. Look how much more enjoyable it is watching England. How much more we sit here and talk about these games and we believe. We talk about the golden generation. Did we ever really believe we was going to win anything? I know it was bigged up in the press, but you always felt that we were scared as soon as we got into a knockout game and we were petrified as soon as it went to a penalty shootout and and we never won any of them. Look at what he's achieved in in five years in the job. We've beaten Germany for the first time in knockout football for 50-odd years. We've won a penalty shootout for the first time in Christ knows how long. We've got to our first major semi-final since 1996 in five years. I don't get why people sit here and moan and, oh, there was like one I saw the other night as soon as the French and the Dutch went out. Oh, well, it's a sackable defence now. Southgate don't get to the final. Not, oh, this is a great opportunity for England. Just something else to smack in with. And to be honest, I hope we get to at least the semis, the final, and we'll go from there. And I hope he gives one of them a big two fingers up to a lot of England fans because I get that we can sit here and we can have debates and you'll pick a different team to me, Graham, and Jack will pick a different team to you. And that's fine because we all have opinions and that's talking about it and that's what the beauty of the game is. But it's when you see stuff like, oh, he's shit and he deserves to be sacked and he should go because we drew nil-nil with Denmark or whatever. Grow up. He's doing a brilliant job. And we actually believe that we can win something. We might not. We might come up short again. But the difference is now that it was under Hodgson. 
Capello, Ericsson to a degree. We genuinely feel that we've got a group of players now that when they go onto that pitch, they can beat any football team. And I think Germany last night, that victory has only emphasised that a bit further. We've got a wonderful chance now. But that doesn't mean we're just going to turn up Saturday and roll Ukraine over and then roll Denmark or Czech Republic over and the trophy's as good as ours because the final's at Wembley. We've still got to go out and work bloody hard three more times. But if we do that, we've got an unbelievable chance of something really magical happening. Obviously, I think we spoke in, in the preview before the tournament, the England preview specifically, Matt, about how we both didn't really understand where the Southgate dislike came from. I mean, don't get me wrong, I was complaining about what I thought looked like a back seven when it started yesterday and stuff like that, but I'm, I'm so for Gareth Southgate and so for what he's done. Um, because I think for the first time in ages, I think I kind of disconnected, not completely, I still cared, but the national team, back when we had a specific set of players, I won't pinpoint which ones I mean, but I sort of had that, oh, we'll get the quarters or we'll get knocked out. South Africa, that tournament, I think the South Africa got beaten there in the group stages. And I just disconnected a little and I just got a bit like, I don't really like these players. I don't feel like this is the England I fell in love with in Euro 96 and World Cup 98 and France 98. And one thing that Southgate has done, these players do play for big clubs. They play for City, they play for United, they play for clubs that in general, I don't like. Um, when it comes to league football. But I like the squad. I like this national team. I like what they stand for. I like them as people. I mean, the amount of players that I could pinpoint that I like as people, I know I've never met them, so you can't really judge. But from what I've seen, Henderson, what a fantastic role model. Fair enough, I'm biased. But Raheem Sterling, in my opinion, could end up being a legend by the end of this tournament. Um, and a fantastically likeable character. A brilliant book. Southgate's letter before the tournament amazing so proud to be behind it and I do feel like Southgate has done all of that and um, it's all right having the talent and stuff like that we've had the talent before but how much of a job do you think he's done Matt when it comes to just the characters that he's helped mold together as a squad and a team and a unity with the nation for once uh, the big thing was what you said straight at the beginning you said you don't like these players when they play for these clubs but I think when they get together for England you just completely forget not forget that they play for these clubs. I mean, we're not stupid. We all know that Raheem Sterling plays for Man City and we all know that Luke Shaw plays for Man United. But what he's done brilliantly is he's managed to sort of just get away from that club divide. And if we've read any sort of autobiography over the last 10, 15 years of Rio Fernandez, Steve and Gerard of Frank Lampard, they all say the same thing. And unfortunately, when they went into England camps, it was all a bit clicky. I don't think there's any of that now. And I think that's that's got a huge way into in, in why we've seen improved performances. He's created this fearless nature. Again, last night, this group aren't burdened by history. This group are destined to make their own history. All the pressure off, put it all on himself brilliantly um, with the fact that he said, oh, if, if I play a, three, a back three and we get beat, I'm a dead man walking. Very clever at deflecting attention away from his players. Very good at protecting them in the press um, and just making it, I think, almost feel like a club environment when they go away with the with the national team. And, and that's brilliant that the way he's harnessed that type of atmosphere and it shows in the results, doesn't it? Because we haven't beaten Germany for 55 years in knockout football and we beat them relatively comfortably last night. And you can sit here and say that Germany, you know, are on the decline and they are and their manager was disappearing after the tournament. But we still had to be at it and we still had to be very good to beat a German side that's full of very good players. Look at the people they're bringing on, Gnabry, Sane, 
people were missing Gundawan. They're world class on their day. All three of them can turn it on. We made them look relatively ordinary on the whole, and I think that's that's credit to to Gareth Southgate, his backroom staff, and also the players as well, obviously, because they have to buy into everything that he's trying to do. Yeah, I, I love him. Great, love him. What a guy, um, Jack. There's loads of post-match interviews you could go to. The Sterling one was brilliant. Harry Kane just listening to the crowd was amazing. But the one that really got me, Jack, was was with the man we've just been speaking about, Gareth Southgate. Obviously, Southgate's missed penalty in U96 is something that, you know, I, I know as a journalist, that's something you would ask and, and redemption and all that kind of stuff. And he's answered to it. I don't, did you see his interview, Jack, after the game? I didn't actually know I'm, uh, I would be going brilliant. into a blind. What, 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 what did you say? What was it on the long lines so of? So basically, they asked him, they said, you know, 90, uh, you were 96, the, the missed penalty and, and so on and so forth. Do you now feel like, you know, that's kind of like redemption and, and so on and so forth? And he, his answer was brilliant. He said, at the end of the day, he said, I seen David Seaman on the, the big screen or something like that in, in you were 96. And he said, that still happened in Euro 96. I can't take that away. That hurt still stays with me. I can't change it for my teammates that I had then. But we have managed to do today is put the smile on the faces of the fans that may have felt it and, and something along that line. And his answer, considering he was asked to sort of snap bang after one of the probably, the probably the most emotional game of his management career and probably his whole career in general, was so well thought out and so clever and so articulate. Um Matt touching it before, what I was going to ask was the way he deflects pressure from everyone else and takes it all on himself and remains calm and composed and measured. How much do you think that's helping the side just not feel any pressure? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, I think he really has a, a real connection and empathy with the England players that you haven't maybe seen with other England managers. I'm not going to go into it because it's a foreign thing, but particularly Fabio Capello and Sven Joran Eriksson and Roy Hodgson. I mean, with Ericsson Capello, they're probably not as not as familiar with the, the culture of the England national team like Gareth Southgate was. And Roy Hodgson might have been, but I think his age counted against him. I think with Southgate, you've got an England manager that really knows England international England football history and international football inside out. Do you know what I mean? Let's not forget he managed the under-21s. He knows the development stages. He knows what being an England player at a high-level tournament is all about. And I think... The fact that he does, as Matt says, take the, take the pressure off the players. I think he understands and, and kind of empathises with them what it's like to be an England player at a major tournament. So he knows what you're going to be feeling and what things you're going to be getting in the press. And I think the way that he does that is he just kind of, like you say, takes the pressure off, makes it about him from, from time to time, but really just lets the lads go out and play football. And I think ultimately what, what strikes me is, I mean, yeah, there's no clicks like you know we've touched on, but I think the lads just look happy. To me, they look like they're not burdened. There's no, there's no kind of, you know what I mean? With the, the, the old, the old golden generation, you got the fame of England. You know, it was it was almost like a distraction. It was an inconvenience to the careers, and they couldn't wait to get back to the club careers. Whereas now, you get the feeling like these England lads really, they love playing with each other. They love spending time with each other. They're all, not all of them, but a lot of them are a similar age, and that they've kind of developed together over the last few years. And had good experiences together. And that can only be a good thing because I think winning breeds experience and and, and, and the culture around winning becomes more of a, a thing that they want to achieve, but becomes more familiar to them. And I think the more you 
the more you win, the better you get at handling the winds and handling the pressure. Do you know what I mean? I think last time was a big one, the World Cup. For us to reach a semi-final there now, I think the players will be in a far better position now to deal with kind of building through a tournament and maybe expectation and pressure going up a little bit. And I think they'll know how to cope with it a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it's just nice to see an England team full of players that you really you can get behind and there's no there's no horrible players that you don't like and you think everyone there's a likeable character to a certain extent and I think it's just so positive and refreshing to see I mean I've going to like England teams again I, I lost I lost touch I don't know about you two lads but for a few yeah. years under kind of the um, the back end of the Roy Hodgson era from Capello through Roy Hodgson and the four or five year before Southgate I wasn't really I mean I was an England fan and I watched the games but I was never really but whereas now I'm like, I feel like I'm getting getting the passion and the joy again. I mean, the scenes last night in the pub out in, I was in, was just phenomenal. Like everybody hugging and enjoying each other. And yeah, it was just great to see. Class, wasn't it? I mean, so honestly, like, it's no secret. I love Sunderland with all my heart. I love Sunderland. But yesterday, I've just never been in a scene like it. And it was just class to see people hugging kissing <laughs> like doing things that maybe like the government wouldn't enjoy seeing but who cares like that's what football should be and just like the way that the the whole stadium erupted that was more than 40,000 in there it was just but like I say you know it's not oh I was at the game look at me I great I was there but the scenes around the country were just as good like We've all seen the pints go up in the air, but there was less pints going up in the air and more just raw emotion. And and I think going back to the thing that we, we've all said, Southgate's done that. Southgate's created that. The, these players are enjoying getting interviewed. You can see it. They're enjoying being on camera. The footage of Henderson celebrating the goal. Jordan Henderson must be devastated that he can't get in the team. What a player Jordan Henderson is. What a character. But when you've seen him on the touchline waiting to come on and celebrating that, I think it was the second goal, all you can see from him is how desperate he is for the team to do well and I know Henderson's a good example of a team captain you maybe accept it um, expect it sorry but there's a lot of players in that squad Jude Bellingham's like the first one to dive on top of Raheem Sterling when that goal goes in do you know what I mean and he's like he's not played a minute of tournament football and I know he's got tournaments to come but like the whole squad the faces of Kyle Walker the faces Hello, of Mings Craig as well Boyer, Morrow Mings, Mings. Yeah. he got dropped after two clean sheets and he was one of the first ones in that bundle and that I think that's the camaraderie that's like you say that, that Southgate's harvested and it's it's brilliant it's just great isn't it I mean the, the big one for me Matt which was perfectly goes on to this uh, Raheem Sterling hey look we all know he's received critics and I don't just mean from papers I mean there's fans that critique him and oh he just says there's that and the other and I thought he was poor against Scotland but in general he's probably been our best player throughout the tournament if England are to be successful, and I don't mean win it, I just mean, you know, be successful, come back to the tournament and go, you know what, I bloody enjoyed that. How important is Raheem Sterling to that success? He's undroppable now, isn't he? I think. Yeah, I think so. But we said this at the beginning, didn't we? When we did the preview show, people were, oh, he shouldn't be in the squad. He, not, he shouldn't be in the squad. He shouldn't be in the starting 11. He's had a crap season with City. 26 goal contributions. That's a crap season for Raheem Sterling, but that's good enough to get him most sides. But his form for England over the last two, three years has been phenomenal. And I think I saw a tweet today someone put up in terms of goals for England, but competitive goals compared to what they've got in total. 100% of Raheem Sterling goals have come in competitive games, not one friendly goal. So he turns up when it really matters. And um, yeah, I think he's still got a huge part to play. 
the, the Ukraines are going to be, they're not known for being pacey, are they, at the back generally? And you get this sort of stereotypical idea of Eastern European sides that they're going to be a bit nasty. And if there's someone that's a bit quicker than them, they're going to try and boot you up in the air. But I think he's going to have another huge role to play in that game. As is the man who opened his account last night as well. I think Harry Kane that he couldn't have come at a more perfect time for him to get underway in the tournament because he wasn't having a great game again. No, Had that no. chance first half where he, I think if he's if we've got Harry Kane that's full of confidence and he's already netted a couple in the tournament, he probably just side foots that in behind across Noel with his left foot into the bottom corner. But he's taking that extra touch. But you mentioned that interview afterwards where he just stood there and was looking around as if to say, is this really fucking happening? Because this is unbelievable. This is wonderful. And we've all missed it, like you've said a thousand times. And for you, it must have been unbelievable to be in there. It was good enough watching it on the telly. Um, and for them players, it's only going to give them a lift, isn't it? And we know if we can get through the travel of Rome on Saturday, we're back home for the final two, if it is to be a final two. So, but yeah, sorry, gone off on a tangent. Raheem Sterling, probably the most important player in the squad at the moment, along with Jordan Pickford. Yeah, I think so. I think it's um, incredible. Oh, I mean, me and Jack probably are far too biased to, to talk about Jordan Pickford. But Jack, that was actually my next question. Pickford, talking about people that have been critiqued, I reckon there yeah. was more of the, the Brit, uh, more of the English public and media that felt, specifically Lee Dixon, if you listen, that felt that uh, Jordan Pickford should not be England's number one. Four clean sheets, a couple of outstanding saves already. His footwork is hugely important to the way the team plays. Um, Jordan Pickford is 100% England's number one, isn't he? Yeah. Can I just touch on Sterling as well? I think I think form yes, also play, I think form also plays a big part in tournaments. And now we've got a player who's banging form. We've got a, a confident player. He's got three goals. He's getting in the final third. He's creating problems. And I think, yeah, I think... I know when it was said out of teams last last uh, last week, I don't think I named them, but I think I couldn't believe it when I look back. It was crazy for us not to name him. I think now he is becoming that that undroppable player. He's he's in form. He's playing well. I think I think as England players, though, I think sometimes you, you get a narrative with certain players, don't you? And it's like mm-hmm. with, with Jordan Pickford, he's rash, he, he's poor, he shouldn't be in goal. And it's like, well, hang on, let's look at the fact he he's played four games and got four clean sheets. Yeah, he hasn't had an unbelievable amount of work to do. But when he's had saves to make, he's he's made them, hasn't he? Do you know what I mean? He hasn't dropped any clangers. You've seen three or four goalkeeping errors already at the tournament. You think the Scotland and the Spain one the other night, and there's probably one or two others that I've missed. And I think he looks a bit, he looks like a safe pair of hands to me. And I just think it's it's sometimes easy with, you, you know, you, you, one pundit has an opinion of one player and then that becomes the narrative. And it's like, well, let's, let's look at the options here. I mean, Henderson... Okay, decent goalkeeper, but is he better than John Pickford? No, he's probably nah. not. He might, he might be in the future, but not at the minute. I don't rate Ramsdale, the other goalkeeper. Not Nick Pope, no. Nick, Nick Pope's injured anyway. Um, and I, uh, you know what I mean. So there's like, what, what are the alternatives really? And let's just get off the lads' back and let's watch, a, let's watch a, a decent goalkeeper, you know, and, and watch him and, and get behind him instead of it's being too quick to criticise him. I think, it, like you said, it's an easy narrative sometimes with players and. Uh, you know, it's it's when you look at the performances and everything, he's been one of the standout players. You know, when you think of three or four players, you'd probably pick put him in the top three or four we've had in the squad so far. So, and I love him a bit. I went to school with the man Orm, and he's a good lad. So, he always gets him. my vote. I absolutely love him, um, and I always have. And and I was talking about it last night in a pub in, in Kings Cross. Uh, met with a couple of Sunderland lads, Luke and uh, and, and Ross, and. 
we were talking about Pickford's debut and I was at Pickford's debut. David Bowie died two days later, which kind of soured it a little bit for me. But um, I remember John O'Shea made like a bit of a mistake and he absolutely, for want of a better word, bollocked him. Like absolutely bollocked him. And he was like 18, 19 or something. And he went through John O'Shea. And there was part of me that was like, oh, I remember that man yesterday when Sterling made the mistake and everyone's like, oh, thank God he's put that wide. And Pickford absolutely roasts Raheem <laughs> Sterling's pass. But then immediately afterwards, it's kind of like, right, it's all right, just didn't do that again, right? Like, And there's something about Pickford that's like, we've talked about leaders on the pitch and how important that is. And I feel like Germany has stereotypically been the side that's had leaders all over the pitch. England have got it from the back going forward. There's captains all over that pitch. And, and I think they're not frightened to call each other out, but they'll back each other up just as much simultaneously, won't they? Yeah, I think I think it shows. I always think that when a player's shouting at you, it shows he cares. Do you know what I mean? And I think Roy mm-hmm. Keane used to say it. He used to say I was seen as this snarling, kind of shouting, angry man. But he, the players I was shouting at were the players that I know could do better. Do you know what I mean? And it's not an a, it's not a, an aggression. It's I think it's more standards. Do you know what I mean? I think Jordan Pickford's obviously seen Raheem Sterling, seen how good he is, and says, "Look, you, you, I know you're better than that. I know you're better than not to give the ball away in that area." Do you know what I mean? And I think. I think that's that's really it shows again the togetherness in the squad that it's like a collective, a collective kind of come on let let let's be better let let's we're a group together and we're gonna we'll dig you out but ultimately you know let's all get behind each other and raise raise standards together on the pitch and I think again you could argue that shows the togetherness as well and I think we 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 do have that kind of spirit about us at the minute you know what I mean whereas yeah we might dig ourselves into a hole a little bit but the the togetherness within the squad gets us out of it I think. Uh, I think Matt touched on it earlier, Jordan Pickford, although he didn't actually save the Muller shot, I think the fact that he comes bounding out, Walker running across as well, and just makes himself big. Muller snatches at the shot and thankfully for us it goes wide. And I think, I think you know, when you've got that group of players that are willing to kind of, you know, dig each other out, in the, but then as you say, stick up for each other and, and the togetherness in the squad, I think it can only be a good thing going forward. I'm just happy. Somebody, I could just speak about this endlessly. I'm just happy, but... Um... Aside from the goals, the celebrations and all the good stuff, a huge moment yesterday that I'm going to remember till the day I die was undoubtedly Thomas Muller, uh, or Thomas Muller, shall we say, uh, putting it wide after going clean through one goal. Um, in the stadium, I've got to be honest with you and say everyone just went, <gasps> literally for like that five seconds whilst he ran forward. But but Matt, watching the game on the telly, describe your emotions to me when he's bearing down on goal. Um pretty much that and praying and crossing everything possible but there wasn't enough time really to do much was there you suddenly Sterling's been had it pinched off him I think it's Havertz that gets Muller in for all the world it's one all isn't it I think we sort of resigned ourselves you've seen the videos on social media today the German fan parts they're celebrating they're convinced it's in that some of them are jumping around and can't believe that he's missed but I think I probably stopped breathing for about three or four seconds and then fell off the front of the sofa when it had actually gone. Because even when it went wide, I thought, no, he's definitely scored. He's going to run off celebrating because this is England and this is Germany and that's how it goes. That's the narrative and that's how the script's always written when it's England against the Germans. But yeah, I don't think it bears thinking about what the game would have been like in the final nine minutes if it had gone to one each. But thankfully, we earned that bit of luck. Raheem earned his bit of luck. And then we got ourselves back on the front foot again. Maybe in an England team of the past, we'd have probably gone into our shell and dropped a bit deeper and probably invited it on the last 10 minutes. But we didn't. Like Jack mentioned, 
uh, Raheem got an absolute roasting off Jordan Pickford, but then it was done. We forget about it and we go and try and improve and go the other way. And we did that and we scored a very good second goal, didn't we? And uh, I think we have to talk about Jack Grealish a little bit as well, don't we? Oh, I, I, honestly, I could marry the bloke. I love him. Um, I just, when I first got into football and we're all the same, you have that player that just really, really, really excites you. I mean, Jack, you'll remember Stefan Sessegnon. For you, Matt, off the top of my head, Jordan Graham, pace, power, getting around zone. That's what you want to see. And, and Grealish is tricky. He's kind of entertaining to watch. He's got that kind of lower socks down and, and like he's high up shorts and he's, he's weird little look and he's odd hair. And he's just fast and he gets into space and he opens things up. And he's on our bench. Um, but yeah, Matt, we do, need, we do need to speak about Jack Grealish because how good was he when he came on yesterday? How much did he change that game? Phenomenal. I think well, that's two assists now, isn't it? Out of the four goals you yeah. scored. 115 minutes, two assists. <laughs> and it's also him that plays in Shaw for the for the cross for the, the Harry Kane goal. Uh, sorry, for the Raheem Sterling goal. So he's having an impact, whether that's from the start or whether that's off the bench. And I think there's going to be a tendency to maybe look at going back to a back four against Ukraine because we're going to be the one that's going to have to go and make the run in, I think. Last night, we could afford to play on the break, let the Germans come on to us and then pick them off with the pace that we knew we possessed against an aging and unreliable back four for want of a better back three, sorry for the want of a better word. But Ukraine, we know they're probably going to do what Scotland did, do what the Czech Republic did. They're going to get behind the ball and, and, and make it hard and say, come and break us down and, and we'll play on the break and we'll try and play for extra time and penalties or something like that. But I don't think there's an England fan who knows anything about the game that will be disappointed if Jack Grealish starts on Saturday evening at eight o'clock because, and we've had it for years, haven't we? We have it in all sports. We've had, you know, the, the closest to Ian Botham was Andy Flintoff in the cricket. We've had who's the closest to Gaza. People have come and tried and um, Ross Barkley got named a couple of years ago. There's been others throughout the years. There's something about Jack Grealish that's just a little bit throwback and a little bit, like you say, it's a bit old school, isn't it? Socks round by his ankles because he can't get them over them massive calves. Um, the hair, the almost arrogance of he knows yeah. that he, he can beat anyone, but not in a bad way. He just con he just plays the game like he's in the park with his mates. That's the way I look at him. And like he's just, he enjoys if he makes it. a mistake, yeah. he thinks, fuck it, I'll get the ball again and I'll go and try again. Um, and I can understand why Southgate was probably reluctant to start him last night because where would you fit him in in that system? You'd have probably had to take out Saka or Sterling, who were two of our best players against the Czech Republic. But I think if we go back to a back four, you probably take out... It's got to be Walker or Trippier, hasn't it? And I'd imagine it'd be Trippier after Walker's performance last night. So you'd go Walker back to a right back and then you could play Grealish in the ten. Because you can't drop Shaw it? either. I thought Trippier was great yesterday, but you can't drop Shaw. I think Shaw was a he was brilliant yesterday. And I'm not I his thought first fan. half he was good defensively. Second half he started getting on a bit, didn't he, when the game stretched? And I think I tweeted last night and said that's the highest he'd got up the pitch. Mm -hmm. And we scored from his cross. So yeah, he was absolutely spot on. I see the Sky Sports ratings and a couple of sixes. And I six. thought, give Carl Walker a six, Luke Shaw a six. Are you having a laugh? I thought one was unreal. I know. But then people get too picky, don't they? I, I, I don't always get this thing that someone's got to be at fault if there's a chance that conceded or a goal conceded. Oh, Walker's out of position for the chance for Werner. Or is it just a bloody good through ball? Yeah. That's what it is. 
and sometimes the you just have to end up and you've got good players and they're going to pick you apart from time to time. That's how it is. But for me, back to the subject, Jack Grealish, if you ask me now, does he start against Ukraine? 100% yes. Yeah, me too. I think he's in front of Mount and I think he's in front of Foden now. Yeah, I mean, I've made a secret of how much I love Jack Grealish. Um, for me, oh, I think it's difficult to drop Trippier or, or Walker, but I'd like to go back to a, a back four and, and ask a lot of questions early on with Ukraine and try and get an early goal, get rid of the nerves. And I think, I think Saka had a good game yesterday based on how young he is, how big the game was, how often he's played for the national team. But for me, Jack Grealish gets in there 100% ahead of the other options, Foden, and ahead of um, ahead of Sancho even, probably, to be fair. Mm-hmm. I, I think for me, Grealish, 100%. Just gets me off my feet, excites me. You've seen the reaction when he came on the... I'm, I'm guessing this might have came across on the tellies, the TV footage, him being on the bench... It came up on the TV about three or four minutes before he actually came on and, and just the crowd lifted. And that's kind of what football is. That's who we pay to see. That's why we call it the beautiful game, isn't it? And, and Jack Grealish is definitely someone who just gets me off my feet and I, I want to see it more and more. But um, just to kind of close off, Jack, I'll, I'll come to you. Um, we've probably been full of positivity in this and rightly so like I want to be positive I don't, I don't want to be too cautious I'll leave that to, to Gareth Southgate because he does it miles better than I do um, but we talked about huge, how huge the game was in the context of what that would mean for the next round um, I know some of my Scottish friends find it arrogant that we're discussing a final anyway but there you go um, how disappointed would you be if at this point not necessarily if we won it but if we didn't at least make the final Huge, huge disappointment. I think it's opened right up now and I think that's probably without being too, again, arrogant in terms of the three games that we're potentially going to play, Germany, Ukraine and then Czech Republic or Denmark. I think Germany was always going to be the toughest out of that set. We've successfully negotiated and navigated our way through it. Did we play hugely well for 90 minutes and dominate the game yesterday? No. Did we get the job done and will it be a memorable win for years to come? Yes. So I think... Now we've got a great opportunity. Yes, the only slight issue is we've got to go away from Wembley first time in the tournament. And I think the only time if we get the final will we play outside of Wembley, which might take a few of the kind of home comforts away from us. But ultimately, I look at that Ukraine team and I think you can talk about a lot of things, but ultimately it's the players on the pitch that are going to win you or lose you the game. And I'd far rather have the English squad than I would the Ukraine squad. Which way you play, I don't know. I'd certainly start Grealish. I'd certainly play him. Do you play him off Carry Kane? Play four two three one? Maybe I don't know, but I think really starts. I think Ukraine are going to be difficult to beat. No doubt about. We're not coming into arrogant and thinking it's going to be a walk in the park. Do you know what I mean? I don't think any English fans are stupid enough to think that. And I think the, the fans that are saying we're like that, we're not. We sense it's a great opportunity, but I think everyone should have a slight whiff of caution because we have to go out and win the game. Perhaps people were a bit arrogant against Scotland, saying four and five and look the ground out a nil nil. So I think if we approach it in the right way, we sense the opportunity there. They're probably going to sit deep and defend and graft and frustrate us. I agree with Matt earlier on. He says that the Eastern European teams are sometimes a bit cynical. And I, I do think they're going to be like that. They're going to stop the game. They're going to be trying for reds. They're going to be trying to make it as difficult as a game as we can. But if we get our good players on the ball, you're Grealish, you're Sterling, 
uh, Isaka if he starts, and, and we'll, we'll get him. We'll create chances against them, and I'm I'm confident we'll we'll, we'll get the winner. Really, I'm, I think it's a great opportunity. You're never going to get another opportunity to get to a major final like this. I don't think so. You know, I think it's a huge opportunity, and I hope we take it. Same question to you, Matt. Obviously, um, there's three games to go yet, and two before we can even think about a final. And I'm very much of the mantra of one game at a time because I found that tends to work quite well when you take one game at a time. Um, but at risk of maybe getting a little bit excited because that's kind of what football is about at the same time. How disappointed would you be if if this team doesn't make the final now with the way that the games have gone and the games that we have potentially coming up? Um, put it this way, if you'd said to me Saturday the 12th of June before we started against Croatia, if you can get through Germany in the last 16 and then you're handpicking two potential opponents to get to the final in Ukraine and then one of Czech Republic or Denmark, and that's before you factor in Denmark minus their best player. And obviously, we, we, we all hope that Christian Eriksen does get back to playing at some level. And uh, yeah. hopefully yeah. for Denmark and Inter Milan at the very highest level again. But even with Christian Eriksen, if someone said you've got to beat Germany, then Ukraine and then Denmark or the Czech Republic, who we've already seen off in the group to get to a final of the European Championships at home at Wembley in front of potentially 60 plus thousand you'd have snapped anyone's arm off, wouldn't you? But I'm still trying to do that. I'm still not trying to do that thing where it's, I'm not thinking about, I'm certainly not booking off the Monday after the final just yet or anything like that. I'm not booking off the day after the semi-final or anything like that. I'm certainly not going out and buying champagne and putting it in the fridge. It's all we need to worry about at the moment is between 8pm and 10pm or 10.30pm or 10.45 or 11pm on Saturday night and make sure that come Sunday morning, we're going to be playing Denmark or the Czech Republic. And then we can have another one of these chats and then I can give you the same answer about the semi-final. <laughs> and then I might think about booking the day off after the final, but it, it very much is one game at a time, isn't it? Because you've only got to look at the sides that are already out. The French have gone out to Switzerland. The Dutch have been knocked out by Czech Republic. Portugal are out. Croatia are out. That could be us if we turn up and think it's all done and we've just got to roll Ukraine over. But I think, like Jack alluded to, Scotland, nil-nil, and then winning the World Cup that Friday evening a couple of weeks ago has probably done us a huge favour because that was the night where maybe we did turn up and the attitude was just a tiny percent or so off. And we've realised you can't afford to do that. You've got to be at it from first whistle to last every single game. It's European Championships at the end of the day. These teams are there because they're decent and they've gone through a qualifying process. Some are better than others. That's how the food chain works in every walk of life. But it's going to be tough. But again, I'd much rather have England squad than I would Ukraine squad. Yeah, same here. I don't think I really answered your question. Fine. I tried not to. I think it's I think you know if anyone's listening, get excited. That's what football's to be about. Of course, but, yeah, but but Let's be excited about Saturday first. And then yes. after Saturday, we can be excited about next Wednesday. And then if we can then start thinking about the following Sunday and I might book the Monday off work. But Saturday first. It's far more exciting doing the review shows when we've won a game than it is the preview shows and getting excited then. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, as it is, thanks again for, for tuning in. Sorry it's a little bit late. I've been busy. Uh, you might have noticed. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think we've all been a bit busy. Um, I was far too busy last night, far busier than I intended to be. But thanks for popping in again. Uh, like I say, I, I, when you subscribe, I really appreciate that. I'm not going to force you to, but we're close to a thousand. That would be nice um, if you did subscribe. If not, no harm. If it's the first time you've listened and the last time, that's fine. That's great. Um, the most important thing is England winning the European Championship. Fingers crossed. Thanks to Jack and thanks to Matt. Cheers. Cheers, lads. Enjoy it again. Grealish. <laughs>